Hello and welcome everybody to the Bring the Sting podcast. I'm your host, Evan Birchmore. Today is Monday, February the 21st, 2022. And on this week's episode, guys, we will be recapping the past week for the Hornets as well as the All-Star game this weekend as Charlotte's own LaMelo Ball makes his first ever NBA All-Star game appearance, guys. Really excited for this week's episode, so let's go ahead and dive on in. All right, so obviously it's a shortened week. You have the All-Star Weekend. So last week and this week, a little bit abbreviated as compared to a normal week in which you you know, have more games. But this past week, only two games. You did go to Minnesota and play the Timberwolves, and then the Heat came to town on Thursday night. And as you all know, both losses for the Charlotte Hornets, guys, both overtime losses, actually. And that loss against Miami on Thursday, a double overtime loss. Uh, so not good. Uh, Charlotte's record in overtime games this year, they have not won an overtime game yet this season. And they are now 0-6 in overtime games in this season, guys. So again, just catching some bad breaks there. And really very similar games in the sense of you get off to good starts and you kind of just blow fourth quarter leads. Like the Minnesota game, you get outscored by nine in the fourth quarter and then obviously lose it in OT. Uh, the Miami game, which should have been over in regulation, and the refs made a just horrendous blown call on that Kyle Lowry three-pointer. That wasn't a three-pointer. His foot was very obviously on the line, and they didn't review it for whatever reason. The The logic was that, you know, they said uh, too much time went by, and by the time that, you know, play stopped, they couldn't go back and review it, which I, I'm not buying that. I'm not sure how that makes any sense, but... I digress. You still lose the game. You still had a chance to win the game, and you couldn't, you know, nail it down at the free throw line. Montrez Harrell goes to the line and uh, goes one of two, and you don't get the win. You get outscored in double overtime, and you drop that game. And Miami came back from a seven-point deficit to force overtime in the first place there in the fourth quarter. So, again, I'm not, I'm never the type of guy. I'm never the type of fan to blame refs a hundred percent for a loss. Like I've said on this show before, I've said on Twitter. I've refed basketball before, granted, obviously not at the uh, NBA level or anything even remotely close to that, but I've refed basketball before. It's not an easy job, and they're not going to get everything 100% correct. So I don't think any logical person expects that, uh, but I do think they expect accountability. I, I put this on Twitter after the game. You know, you don't want perfection from refs. Like, that's not you know, reasonable to expect that, but you do want accountability. And I think what frustrates a lot of fans, a lot of, and not even just Charlotte fans, but like just fans in general of basketball, these last two minute reports really, like, I understand why they do those, but in my mind, that just sort of makes it seem like for one, nothing outside of the last two minutes gets reviewed on those. It's literally called the last two minute report. And, and kind of my second point is, I've never really heard or seen any action taken after those. It's pretty much they just admit, you know, what calls were right or wrong, and then they move on, and there's really nothing else done. And look, again, I'm not saying blame the refs 100%. Like, I certainly don't think the team should be taking that mindset because I think as a team and, you know, as a coach and as players, like you need to focus internally. And by that I mean, like, when you lose, you can't look outside that locker room for why you lost. You don't blame the fans. You don't blame the refs. You don't blame – you know, the other team or whatever, like it all starts and ends in that locker room. But as a fan, I can say that. And as someone who hosts a podcast about the Hornets, I can say that I'm obviously I'm not on the team. So I, I can say, you know, hey, the refs kind of blew that again. And I've said that wasn't the entire reason you lost the game. But uh, Rod Boone with the Charlotte Observer, he tweets out NBA's two minute report is out, says officials missed five calls 
in Hornets' loss to Miami. Four were incorrect non-calls. The fifth, of course, was Kyle Lowry's three-pointer. Should have been a two. It couldn't be corrected because play did not stop before the two-minute mark. So within two minutes, they missed four calls that went in Miami's favor, and then they missed the Kyle Lowry three-pointer. You know, Bam Adebayo should have been called for a goaltend. Jimmy Butler traveled and got away with it. Jimmy Butler fouled Miles Bridges, and they didn't call that. It was just a whole litany of things that went against Charlotte. And, and again, like, I can't emphasize enough, I'm not blaming the loss on that. But I, I just think there needs to be some level of accountability for, like, hey, how do we how do we make the product better? Like, I think at the end of the day, you take off the Hornet – or, or pardon me, the, the, uh, the purple and teal – colored glasses, so to speak, and say, okay, how do we make the product better? How do we make sure that the teams decide the games and not the refs? And I I mean, you got to clean that up. Like that can't happen where you just blatantly miss something and then you go and review it and you still uphold it. Like, I just don't know why, why, why could that not be reviewed? And, And I tweeted this out as well. Like I'm not blaming the Hornets coaching staff or anything like that, but I said, the refs clearly blew it by giving Kyle Lowry three points. It was an obvious two point shot. But how do you not have the awareness to call a timeout and ask for a review sooner? Like when it became obvious that the refs were not going to go review that on their own, how do you not respond to that by calling a timeout and asking for the review? In that crucial of a moment, how does that just kind of escape your train of thought? I mean, it's the same line of thought. and It's the same frustration as the Gordon Hayward injury against the Raptors a couple weeks ago where he gets his ankle rolled up on. He's laying under the basket. The ball goes to the other end. An entire defensive possession happens. And then they come back down the court and he's still laying under the basket. Like, how do you just let your own player sit there for several seconds, like for an entire sequence of play, an entire shot clock, and then come back down and he's still just lying on the ground injured and almost gets rolled up on again. I mean, how does that happen? How do you not just commit a take foul or call a timeout? Like, where is the awareness in these situations? And I'm just saying, like, Look, I'm not blaming that entirely on the coaching staff, but like there has to be some sort of awareness of the situation and saying like, I mean, if we're going to be this upset after the fact about that call, let's be proactive about it while it's going on and say, hey, timeout, you know, I don't know if, you know, coaches challenge or whatever, ask for a review, just do something to bring it to their attention when it became obvious that they weren't going to review that because it went to timeout. I was watching on the Hornets broadcast. Uh, with uh, it was Eric Collins and Del Curry, and they were just saying like, "Hey, you know that that was obvious. Like, let's you know they they should adjust the scoreboard accordingly after the break." And it went to break, and it came back, and they never fixed it. And so at that point, like everybody in the building knew that Miami had an extra point. And and when you go to double overtime, that obviously turns out to be crucial. So that that's my little bit of a I don't know a rant if you want to call it that. Like again, I, I want to make it crystal clear. I'm not blaming it on the coaches. I'm not blaming it on the refs 100%. But there does need to be a certain level of accountability when you're in that position. Like when you, it's professional sports. So like when I refed basketball, there was a level of accountability. But when you get to the, I mean, it's the same as anything. Like it's professional. So there needs to be a standard of professionalism. You know, you wouldn't let a player go out there and make a fool of himself and. And if he's committing errors over and over again, he would get benched. He wouldn't, you know, it's, it's kind of that idea of like best player gets on the court. Well, you know, it should be the same thing for the officials, for everybody involved. I mean, the coaches, I mean, it runs throughout. It's, it's a professional organization. So 
again, that's kind of my two cents on that. To the Minnesota game, and really both of these games, where you had chances to win them at the line late in the fourth quarter, you know, coming down the stretch, in the Timberwolves game in particular, like Miles Bridges can't knock down, you know, the two free throws to get you over the hump. He does get the one, but again, like I'm not going to blame that all on Miles, where he gave you 28, 13, and 7. So, I mean, are you even in that situation without him? No. And, and look, does it sting and does it bite and does it does it stink that, you know, you can't knock down two free throws and go home with a win? Absolutely. Like, would he have loved to make that free throw? Absolutely. But again, I'm not blaming him entirely for that. Like, yes, like he does bear some of the blame for missing the free throw. And, and I'm sure he would tell you that. But again, it's not all on him. I mean, really, it's just a situation where you've been without Jalen McDaniels for a while now. Cody Martin's obviously been out and Gordon Hayward's been out. I, I think of those three, I mean, we'll see what it looks like coming off the all-star break, but man, with, with Hayward's history, like I'd love to get him back soon, but I'm not totally optimistic about that. But again, like the depth was a luxury early on in the season. Now the depth is a necessity. And what I mean by that is in several games this year, like when, when certain guys would, would kind of ebb and flow, if you will, you know, Gordon Hayward might give you 30 or 40 on a night, but then he might give you, you know, less than 10 the next night or, Kelly Oubre can be very hot and cold. Terry Rozier can be hot and cold. I mean, these guys, I mean, you can't just expect the same level of production night in, night out. And early in the season, I think a lot of that was attributable to the fact that you had such good depth that you didn't really need everybody doing spectacularly every single night. Well, now with Hayward and McDaniels and Cody Martin out, you really kind of need everyone clicking in order to give yourself a chance. So again, in the Minnesota game, like PJ Washington did grab eight boards, but he only gave you three points, you know, coming off, you know, just you're going to need a little bit more from PJ at the end of the day. Then you go to the Miami game where Terry Rozier gives you five points in 36 minutes of play. Now, again, like, do we blame Terry for that? Like it's an off night. He'll be the first one to tell you that. And I know that he has a high level of expectation for himself. So he's going to come out and, you know, that's not the norm for him. But you do need more than five out of Terry Rozier if you're going to win, especially against a really, really good team like the Miami Heat. You know, Mason Plumlee gives you two points, five boards, two assists. Like, you're going to need a little bit more out of him. So, again, like, you're going to need all these guys hitting on all cylinders because early in the season, depth was a luxury. Now depth is a necessity. And, and it's just becoming more and more apparent as, like, guys like JT Thor are now getting rotational minutes. You know, you made the trade for Montrez Harrell. James Booknight's been playing a little bit more. So, again really, really crucial. But look, I'm, I'm not hitting the panic button quite yet. Like I know the last couple weeks I've been bad. You've lost nine out of 10. Uh, Gordon Hayward's hurt. Cody Martin's hurt. Jalen McDaniels is hurt. And, you know, if you were to just go on Twitter after every game, you would think the sky is falling. And, and, and you know, I'm not the kind of guy to do that. If you've listened to my show or you've seen what I put on Twitter, like I'd like to think I'm very much a down the middle kind of guy. It's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. So I do expect them to kind of pick up some momentum here. The problem is you're kind of running out of time to do that. You got 22 games left after the All-Star break. Your first one is this Friday night against the Raptors. And look, it's a tough stretch. I mean, you look at it, it's Raptors coming to town, then the Pistons, who you should beat. But then you're at Milwaukee, at Cleveland. You know, you have Brooklyn coming to town. The Celtics come to town at New Orleans, who's playing better. Atlanta, who you're battling with for positioning right now, the Mavericks, the Pelicans again, uh, the Jazz, you know, the Nets again. So you have them two more times coming up. The Nuggets with Jokic are coming to town. You know, the Sixers, the Heat again. Like, you just look at it, and there's not that many sure victories. And 
in the NBA, when things can be so hot or cold, and when you as Charlotte, who are essentially kind of like a, a an average team, I guess. I mean, when you look at the record and the standings, but you've shown you can be above that. Like you've beaten Milwaukee twice, you've beaten Golden State, you've beaten Philadelphia. So you've have you've had these like signature sort of wins, but then you've also lost to Orlando and Houston and Sacramento. You know, so really you can't take anything for granted. Now, saying that, you could absolutely sneak up on some of these teams and get some wins that you, you maybe aren't anticipating. I went through ESPN today, actually, and looked at the per the basketball power index, your percentage chance of winning every game left on the schedule. So to preface this, you're 29 and 31 right now. So you got 22 games left to go. You've played 60 games so far. Per the basketball power index of the 22 games left on the schedule, you have a greater than 50% chance to win in eight of those games. Those games are at home against Detroit, at home against San Antonio, at home against Brooklyn, at OKC, then at home for the rest of them, New Orleans, New York Knicks, Orlando Magic, and the Washington Wizards. So if that holds, if it's just chalk the rest of the way, and you go 8-14 and 14 over the stretch run, you're going to wrap up the season at 37-45. and 45, And... I looked at this and thought, okay, what are we sort of measuring that against? Because the preseason over-under that Vegas set and the sports books set was 37 and a half. And before the season on this podcast, I said I would take the over. I thought the team was better than 37 and a half wins. I thought you could get to, you know, 38, 39, 40, somewhere in that like 500 to slightly beneath 500 range. And for a lot of this season, it looked like that was going to be correct. I mean, you were six games above 500 not that long ago. And now you sit two games beneath 500. And again, I'm not saying ESPN is predicting this totally right. I'm just giving you what their basketball power index says right here, right now. And so do I think you can do better than 8 and 14? Absolutely. I mean, you look at some of these games, like Atlanta was very much a toss-up. I think it was like 50.5%. I mean, it was it wasn't even 51-49. So like that's essentially a toss-up on your home court. Do I think you can beat, you know, Dallas on your home court, New Orleans at their place, New York at their place? Well, you've already beat New York in Madison Square Garden, so can you do it again? Absolutely. Can you beat, you know, a Denver who still doesn't have their full rotation? Brooklyn who still isn't going to have their full rotation? You know, these other teams were like you've beaten some of these teams earlier in the season, and I've always kind of come back to this that's like, whatever the over-under is set at in Vegas, look, like those guys, they have like the good information and all. So those things tend to be like fairly accurate, but that should not measure whether it's a successful or an unsuccessful season, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is like, what is your goal internally? You know, the outside sort of prognosticators, if you will, like I don't ever think that that really measures what a successful season is for a team. I mean, in football, basketball, like any sport. And I get that, you know, oh, we beat the Vegas over under, like, you know, whatever. But again, like, is that a, if you win 38 games and get blown out in the plan or like miss the plan, is that a successful season when your own front office was saying that we expect to be a playoff team this year? Like, I wouldn't consider that a totally successful season. So again, just beating the over under, like that is something you can hang your hat on. I'm not saying it means it's an unsuccessful season. I'm just saying it's not the end-all, be-all of success. And I know Borrego, uh, Coach Borrego, has beaten the over-under in every season. So I do, you know, I would still say I expect that trend to hold up. Like, I think they can win at least, you know, 9, 10, 11 or more games coming down the stretch. But it's going to take a good stretch of basketball. And you've been playing better as of late. I mean, ever since the trade deadline and you picked up Montrez Harrell again from the Wizards, 
you've been playing better. I mean, you get the win against the Pistons, who that's not really a win to hang your hat on. I mean, Detroit is just terrible. I call it for what it is. But you do beat them. I mean, it was important to go and get a win and kind of get some get some mojo and some swagger back. Then you come home and you're just getting blown off your own court by the Grizzlies, but you make the furious comeback. You cut it to a four-point game, can't get over the hump. So again, like I really liked the fight and the resolve and the effort of the guys on that on that night in particular. Again, do you want to dig such a big hole? No. You never want to be down by 35 because you just give yourself absolutely zero margin for error. When you get down by 35, you can play as well as possible coming down the stretch, but I mean, you're down 35. Like you have to essentially play totally perfect basketball to get back in that game. And then you just kind of run out of gas coming down in the last couple minutes. Then obviously you take two losses in overtime. So again, like you've been playing more competitive basketball. You hadn't just gotten your teeth kicked in over the past week and a half, but at some point that's going to have to translate to wins. You got a really good opportunity coming up Friday night at home against the Raptors and for all the noise and the, you know, much was made of the road-heavy schedule early on in the season and the fact that you would be playing a lot of home games kind of right now, like kind of down the the, uh, the stretch run of the season. Well, it hasn't really benefited you all that much as of late. I mean, home losses against the Clippers, the Cavs, the Heat, the Raptors, the Bulls, the Grizzlies, the Heat, again, like you got to protect home court. If that was made such a big deal early, like, was it that big of a deal because you're losing these games now? And look, I know the rotation is sort of out of whack. Again, injuries have have reared their ugly head once again. But, I mean, the guys you have are the guys you have. Like, all we got is all we need. So you got to go out there with the with the guys that you have and go and, and get it done. I mean, if you're going to be a playoff team, a play-in team at least. And I think that's the expectation. I mean, that absolutely should be. I've said on this show before, a couple weeks ago, I was saying you should make the goal to six seed because, you know, you don't set goals for things you've already accomplished. And last season you got to the play-in and while it would be really good to return to the play-in, you know, your goal should be an improvement off of what you've already done. Like you don't set a goal for something you've already accomplished, but you've slipped back a little bit. I mean, as of now you're five out of the six seeds. So like five games back of the six seeds. So like mathematically it could still happen, but I'm not, you know, really, I'm not bullish on your prospects of getting to the sixth spot. So I do think you're going to be in the play in tournament. Then I was thinking, okay, well the eight spot, because at least then you only have to win one game and you assure yourself of a playoff series. Well, now you're two and a half back of that. I don't see any of the top seven falling off again. That's Miami, Chicago, Philly, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Boston, and Toronto. And then you have Brooklyn sitting there at the eight spot who has kind of been in free fall. I mean, they're two and eight in their last 10, but again, you know, when is Ben Simmons going to start playing? And when is, you know, like, I, I do think, I mean, they are still, I would say a better team than Charlotte. So, I mean, if I was, if I was betting on it, I would say, I think Brooklyn holds on to eight. So as Charlotte, I think best case, right. Is it ninth right now, which is where you are. And Atlanta's right there in the 10, but they're also nine and a half back of first. So they're, you know, neck and neck with you. And then one game back is Washington who just picked up Porzingis at the deadline. Bradley Beal's out for the season, but I mean, you're only one up on on you know being in the plan like you have a one game cushion right now so gotta pick up wins like gotta start you know building some momentum coming down the stretch run and, and again i think the top 11 in the east is kind of solidified i don't see any of 12 through 15 making a run i mean new york is you know right now new york is three and a half out of 10th 
and then Indiana is is tanking. I mean, they made the, the trade deadline moves, and then Detroit and Orlando are just a, a distant, distant uh, 14th and 15th place in the conference right now. So, you know, got to build that momentum, though. I mean, you're 1-9 in the last 10. Of the teams in the uh, play-in standings right now, I mean, the only one even close to you is Brooklyn, who's 2-8. and eight. So, thankfully, you know, I got to thinking this, that, you know, as the Hornets, you're not a team that really gets a whole lot of attention on a national scale. And, you know, you tune into whatever, like First Things First or Undisputed with uh, Skip and Shannon or whatever. And, and they're really not talking about the Hornets all that much. And if they do, it's probably about LaMelo or if Michael Jordan does something. But you really don't get that much press and publicity on a national sort of a scale. And, and I know that frustrates fans sometimes, but like it's also a good thing because at the same time as you've been sort of hitting your rock bottom, so to speak, Brooklyn did the same thing. And all you saw on the national shows and the national media was Brooklyn this, Brooklyn that. And I think it kind of benefits you in the sense that like, you, you know, you can, you can struggle a little bit and it doesn't really pick up a whole lot of steam as far as people piling on about it. Like you're not the Lakers, you're not the Nets, the Knicks, the Heat, the Bulls, like these other teams where, Whatever you're doing, it's like front page news. Like even in Charlotte, I mean, it's a big deal in Charlotte, but beyond that, and that can be a good or a bad thing. I mean, when you're playing well and early in the season and you want your respect and like, I get all that. But when you hit these rough patches, it might be good for you to not have a whole lot of heat on you because I mean, thank goodness for the Nets because without them, I I think a lot more attention would have been paid to the struggles as of late for the Hornets. Now, do I expect them to sort of snap out of that? Again, I reiterate, I do. I, I still think this team is good enough to get to the play-in. I still think you're good enough to get to the play-in, even if Gordon Hayward doesn't come back. And if you can get to the play-in without him, and then kind of have him come back for the play-in, and maybe, you know, forbid if you get to the playoffs, that'd be terrific. I mean, I don't want to rush him back, but again, the best availability or the best ability is availability, and you're really going to need him. He's Again, you're veteran in the room, and I don't have to reiterate the stats, your wins and losses with him, and then your wins and losses without him. So again, you're going to need your guys coming down the stretch. But all that to say, you got a good opportunity. It starts this Friday night against the Raptors. Then Sunday, you got the Pistons. Need to at least at least split those games. Like Again, you'd love to come out and just get some momentum and kick it off with a win on Friday night. But we'll see. I do expect a rejuvenated team coming out of the break. I do expect a rested team, a even as much as like physically resting up can do for you. I think even possibly even more important will be just mentally, like getting a mental break from the grind of a season where you're playing pretty much every other night. You're on the road away from your family. You know, you're not sleeping in your own bed. You're on a plane, you know, going across the country like just getting that mental break. And look, I know like all the teams got the break, but just kind of hitting a reset button and and refreshing yourself, getting ready for this stretch run. I just think that'll really rejuvenate you. And I do expect a, a rejuvenated effort from the Hornets coming out of the break. All right, guys. So one last thing to touch on, and then we'll go ahead and wrap up uh, this week's episode. And that is the all-star game. So obviously all-star weekend was this weekend in Cleveland and LaMelo made his first ever appearance in the All-Star game, who's named injury replacement uh, for Kevin Durant. So last night in the All-Star game, he goes for 18 points, three rebounds, three assists. He went seven of 11 from the field, four of eight from three-point range, and he had three steals. So, you know, I thought he played fantastic. 
I wasn't expecting him to really get a ton of minutes with, you know, injury replacement, first time all-star and look, I mean, if he had played the whole game or whatever, I mean, I don't think it was out of the question that he could have made a push for MVP, but now obviously Steph just went insane nuclear last night and goes off for 50 points and, you know, kind of your established guys ended up kind of taking over the game, but I thought it was a really, really good performance from LaMelo and how can he not be excited about the future of him as a player and, and really what he's going to bring to this franchise. Uh, but again, hats off to you, LaMelo Ball, 18 points, three boards, three assists. Again, really good shooting night from the field, going 7 of 11, uh, 50% on his three-pointers, and then the three steals. So good effort from him. I thought he had really good chemistry with some of the guys on the court, and that sort of a game really just kind of lends itself to his style of play where it's a lot of pizzazz, a lot of flash, a lot of highlight reel sort of plays. So I thought it was a really good performance, and – nothing but positives coming out of that. I do. I am curious. I'm not going to get too deep into it uh, on this, on this episode, but the dunk contest I think has gone so far downhill. I I don't know what they can do to fix that, honestly. Um, And I I really don't, you know, I'm not the person being paid to fix it, but if it was up to me, like for one, I think you got to get some bigger names in there. Some guys who are known as your dunkers, like a, Zach Levine, get him in there, get Miles Bridges, John Morant, like get some of these guys to do the dunk contest. And I just think it it becomes tough where like what dunk can you do that hasn't been done before? You you can't, it's not like the three point contest where there are no style points. Like I think everything that can be done has probably been attempted or been done before. And so now you just end up with guys trying to one up each other and do these ridiculous stunt dunks that are impossible and you end up missing like eight attempts before you get one to go. And look, it's just not very good anymore. I, I would love to see miles bridges do it next year. Uh, obviously he already did it one time in his career. So I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping he gets in there uh, next season and hopefully he's also an all-star next season. We'll see. He was in the running for it this year, but again, hats off to LaMelo really good performance last night in the all-star game. And hopefully he can rest up for a couple days. Uh, before obviously the real thing kicks back up here on Friday. All right, guys, so that'll wrap it up for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, be sure to follow us online on our social media channels. Twitter, we're at underscore bring the sting. Instagram, we're at bring the sting. We'll follow back. We'll interact. Be sure to like, retweet, you know, follow along, repost everything. Like we're we're always very active on there every single day. New new items, new content is being posted there. We'll always interact with anybody who follows us on those channels. So again, please be sure to follow us on there. Keep your uh, keep your eyes and ears out for next week. We'll be having another episode dropping, recapping the uh, two games this week. And then as we go down the stretch run of the season, obviously episodes will be coming out every single Monday from yours truly to you. But as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Thank you much and go Hornets. We'll see you next week. Oh, 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 oh,